This is episode number 16 of the Let's Talk Retouching podcast. Follow along when we talk with industry professionals about all things post-production and retouching related. Our guest today, Glenn Dew, is from the UK and we will continue our conversation about his gear, retouching and his workflow. So stay tuned. This show is brought to you by BoutiqueRetouching.com, our retouching and post-production studio, but also LearnPostProduction.com, which is a school that hopefully someone in the future will launch. And if you're interested in learning about post-production, head over to LearnPostProduction.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you will be one of the first to be noticed when things actually make some progress there. But now let's jump right back into our interview, and we will continue the conversation where we left off in last episode. So Glenn, can you tell us a little bit about your process? So you take your images and then you have to continue somewhere. So how is your workflow to get things into Photoshop? Can you elaborate on that? Um, well, generally what I'll do is if I take you back to the, the actual time of capture, so the photo shoot, uh, I tend to use Capture One. The only reason I use Capture One is because the tethering. I find the tethering extremely reliable. It's very, very fast. So Yeah, it also has a, a few more features, right, than Lightroom tethering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I only use you know, the bare minimum with it. I literally will use it as to get the images so I can see them nice and big on the screen, and I've got them. So once I've got them, those images are then put, once I get back to the office, they're put onto the main computer, and everything is imported into Lightroom. Um, now, I'm not one of these people that does lots and lots and lots of work in Lightroom. Um, I've used Photoshop for you know a number of years, and that's where I'm more comfortable. And I feel like I've got more control. So I do, I do, a, I do a little bit in Lightroom, like you know, sharpening and getting um, a good base image, right? Yeah, getting a good base, you know, a good base bit of you know raw conversion going on there. But then I'll then literally will send that file over into photoshop and that's when i'll continue to do what i want to do to get the final look that i want so are you a mac guy or pc oh, guy? that's interesting because i I, <laughs> i had been mac for a number of years and it was only at, i i've lost track of time now but i think it was the early part of this year that I actually made a change and I, I am now completely Windows. Yeah. I'm, every time someone says that, I'm like, yes, another Windows user. <laughs> Because I'm, sti I'm still, uh, being a Windows user, you're in the minority yeah. and the creative field. I've gr grown up with computers and I I don't care about the brand. Basically, I want to no. have that stuff working yeah. and I want to have the power to, to do and all the stuff that I want that's to. That's exactly it. I, I wanted the stability. When I first got my first computer, it was Windows. You know, the one I mentioned earlier on, it was Windows. And back then, Windows wasn't that stable. So I could be using it one day, I'd turn it off. Next day, I'd turn it on and the computer would be in a mood and it wouldn't work. So when I, when I moved away from Mac earlier on this year, and the reason for that was because I wanted to have more power in the computer. Uh, and the, and at the time, you, you couldn't do that with the Mac. So I went for Windows and I've really beefed up the computer. But now I'm using Windows. It is really stable. And let's face it, Photoshop's Photoshop. Uh, I just wanted I wanted the reliability is what I wanted. I wanted it to be able to you know, do everything. Because we do video work as well, all that to be done quick. So uh, I honestly, I could not be happier. Touch wood. I've had no problems with this, apart from when Dell visited the office and they they changed the power uh, lead on it, and they didn't need to, and he left me with no computer working. 
which was really irritating. But then, you know, a few phone calls, and, and believe it or not, that day, some guy drove a long way to come to the office, and they were like, this is an urgent call, we need to get this fixed for you, and they did it, and they were brilliant. So apart from that, no problems, very happy. Yeah, that's great. Also, I think they are quite customer-friendly in terms of their support. I've got to say, yeah, their, their customer service has been absolutely top rate. I'm really, really happy with that because making that move from Mac to Windows, I was like a newbie. I didn't, I, I didn't know anything. I felt like I'd just started using computers for the first time in my life because I'd forgotten all the stuff from before. And they were, they were showing me things that was like, oh, God, I can't believe I had to ask you that. I'm so sorry. But they were brilliant. I hope Mac users have the same experience. I'm not sure. <laughs> It's da dangerous ground talking about the Mac and Windows thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we see what comes up in the future. Maybe there was something else at some point. Uh, we'll see. We, I'm open to that. Like, do you well. know what? I, like so. you said, I couldn't. I couldn't care less what brand, what make. All I want is something that is what I call fit for purpose. If it does what I need it to do, I don't care what it is. I'm not. I'm. I'm not an Apple fanboy. I'm not a Windows or Mac fanboy or. How's it with cameras? Uh, cameras, I'm. I think I've tried almost every brand there is, but I'm now using Sony, and I, I am very, very happy with Sony. Um, I've shot Nikon when I started. I moved to Canon, but now I'm over with Sony. Yeah, I think that we are usually creatures of habit, and there's this learning curve, and oftentimes we do not want to make it, so we stick with what we're used yeah. to. Yeah, and and I've yeah. I mean, obviously there are. Uh, and I've had lots of times people asking me, oh, can you show some tutorials using that software? And I'm like, no, I am. Photoshop is where I'm at. Adobe have been very good to me. The support is there. They've got a huge backup. Uh, and sometimes, because sometimes people will see something, oh, look, in this new piece of software that's kind of like Photoshop, they've got this in it. Photoshop hasn't got that. And it's like, well, I know. However, it's like a game of leapfrog. What one bit of software doesn't have one day, the other one will have the next day. And then something else will come in and something else will come and also, in. Also, they, so. they have to offer much more than just one feature to make you switch yeah. because you invested so much into learning the software, into what else goes into your workflow and make sure everything is working the way you have because you're running a business you're not like oh i'm starting to dig into taking pictures and want to mess around with my images in my free time so you have to consider the time investment that would come with it it goes back to like what i said about hardware it's it's what i use has got to be fit for purpose and photoshop and lightroom for me is fit for purpose it does what it's supposed to do and i get the results i want I don't see the point in me having to learn a completely brand new piece of software. I don't, I don't want to do that, and I, and I won't be doing that. Speaking about fit for purpose, what else do you have on your, let's call it workstation desk? Do you have a special monitor? Okay, so I've got three monitors. They're all the BenQ brand. Oh, that's a lot. Uh, so my main workhorse is a 32-inch, and then I've got two attached to the wall above that. One of those is like a dual screen that I'll use with the editing. And the other one I use for the laptop gets plugged into that sometimes when we're doing things like live streaming or whatever. So that's the monitors. Uh, what else have I got? I've got a stream deck piece of kit, which is great for doing the live broadcasts. Got my Wacom tablet. Uh -huh. Which one are you using? It's the Wacom Intuos 5 Touch and it's the small one. People say, oh, do you, which size do you use? I find the small one perfectly adequate. 
So I've got one of those on the desk. I also have to say in terms of the Wacom tablets, so there are a lot of people recommending, oh, get a medium one or something. And I think it relates perfectly to how you are using a mouse. So if you're working on a touch screen, basically like a Cintiq or something, it's completely different. But if you are using it on your desk, uh, you have a certain habit on how you want your mouse in terms of the sensitivity. So I have been gaming a lot when I was younger. And when we played ego shooters, I found that some people need a super low sensitivity and they drag and lift up the mouse and mm. drag again. And I was like, okay, I just want to move my hand left to right and do a one yes, turn. Yeah. So now relates perfectly to how I like to use the tablet. So I'm mapping even the small one, mapping the area down just so I don't have to lift up my wrist at all. Yeah, because if you're sat in front of the computer working on pictures for you know a long period of time, if you're having to constantly lift your hand up and move it across, that's going to get really tiring. Whereas I find with the small one, I can just rest my hand in one place. It also takes a lot of time. It does, you're right. I can just move my wrist. I can just keep my arm still, but my my wrist moves, my hand, and I can cover the whole screen from you know top left to bottom right. Very easy, very comfortable. So that's perfect for me. I love that. I'm completely the same. Usually small one is for me. I also have the Cintiq, the small one. So back to yours. <laughs> so you have your Wacom tablet, your three monitors going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got the stream deck. I've also got to the side of the monitor, we've got a Sony A6500 camera, which I use as the webcam. We also use that for doing the filming. And on top of that, there's like a feel world. It's called feel world 4K video monitor that goes on top of the camera. Just because it doesn't have a flip out screen or something? It's got an articulated screen, but it doesn't flip around. But it's great for when you're doing the video because obviously it's a much bigger screen than the one on the camera anyway. And you can just, you know, not make sure everything's nice and sharp and all that kind of stuff. Um, and what else have we got here? Well, there's the, the microphone that I'm speaking to you on, I guess. Oh, interesting. Which one is that? Now, this one is the Audio Technics AT2020. I've had so many microphones, Daniel, over the last couple of years. And I had, I had a mixer <laughs> desk, I had the XLR cables, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And it never seemed to be as good as I was hoping. And then a friend of mine called Mark Heaps, who is a, a designer, he recommended this microphone. It's a USB microphone. And it's brilliant. It's just It just does what it says on the tin. I plug it in, and it works. And apart from that, what else have I got on my desk? Well, I've got this. I've got this actual thing here called a paper diary. Believe it or not, I actually still have. I still have a backup paper diary and a notepad, which I scribble stuff down. So that's. Are you taking notes in terms of of your business there as well? It's yeah. There's also anything that comes into my head because I have. I, I'm one of these people that these you know thoughts just randomly come into my head, and if I don't write them down, I'll forget them. And I've got my, you know, I'll just scribble it down. And I have trouble reading my writing sometimes because I write it down so quick. But yeah, so I, I'm, I'm forever using notebooks. Maybe you want to try the Microsoft Windows handwriting. Well, Ash, good point. But I've tried to use like the note taker and all that kind of stuff on the computer. Uh -huh. But I always found that I, I'd, I'd use it for a few days, but then I'd stop looking at it. Whereas this yeah. notepad, it's on my desk. It's open. I can't miss it. So I'll always see what I, things I need to do. I'm the same. So I have in my emails, I have a lot of flagged emails as tasks and not always looking at mm -hmm. the tasks that I have to do. So I'm quite, quite messy with them. And I put tasks in there and then I forget yeah, about them. Yeah, yeah. So what helped me recently is um, I started using a customer relation uh, software piece. Right. That is, how's it called? 
uh, HubSpot. Right. And they track your emails and you can attach deals and tasks to it and also ties it into my Outlook. Gives you a much better overview about your project. So it's not you're using a piece of software about project management and you use a piece of software about your emails. You can do it all from basically one space. Oh, cool. That helped me because with, with my notes that I'm taking and completely messy. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that for sure. So um, is there anything else on your desk that's maybe important? How about backup solutions? Oh, right. Okay. So what have we got here for backup? Okay. So, ah, right. I'm going to move over here just so I can remember the name of it. So I do have uh, GTEC, is it? Yeah, I've got GTEC drives. I've got two of those with four drives in each. I can't remember the model name, but they're they're over to the left-hand side. They're not on the desk, but they're to the left. And then underneath, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got, I think, the best piece of kit I have ever purchased. And it is a, what's, what's the name they call these? A uh, uninterruptible power supply, UPS. That is the best piece of kit I have ever purchased because I literally brought that. And then it must have been two or three days later, we had a power cut. And the computer just kept on working. It was fantastic. So just in that one time, it paid for itself. But uh, yeah, love it. They're, they're kind of expensive, but as of everything that's related to backups as well, you consider it expensive until something happens. Yes, yeah. So I've got the, the, the hard drives there. They're all plugged into it. But as well as the actual hard drives, I use Backblaze to back everything up online as well. Mm -hmm. And we're quite lucky here. We've got a really good broadband connection, so it didn't take long for that first backup to go. Yeah, the UK, you have good upstream. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think it's 300 megs, I think, something like that, which is pretty good. We don't have that much here. <laughs> I remember times when we have... We had a modem going on. Oh, yes. It, it took you like a half a minute to just to, to load one page. And yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, we are changing, we are adapting, and we expect yes. things to work now, right? But we always want quicker. No matter what internet we have, we want faster. I mean, we are professionals, and obviously technology is keeping us from what we actually want to create, mm, right? Yes, yeah. If we had better technology, no, kidding. <laughs> uh, it's the artist that creates exactly. good images, yes. right? Speaking of art, when you get your images onto your computer, how, which software are you using now? So you capture one, yeah. uh, your images, you, then you put your images onto your uh, workstation yeah. using most of the time Lightroom then yeah. to catalog the images probably. Um, I, I kind of organize them okay. It's not like I've seen some people are you know meticulous the way they organize it. I literally create one folder for that particular shoot. All those pictures go into there. I have a quick look through the ones that I, uh, I've taken. I'll then, all I will ever use then is a red flag for, sorry, yeah, a red label for the ones that, yes, that's the one I'm going to work on. I then work on it. And when it's ready, when it's finished and done, it becomes a green flag with a five-star rating. So I then know that that's the final one. Makes sense. And then obviously you're opening in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. How is your your basic workflow on there are you using any plugins there are you how did you start in photoshop i've only got one plugin that i use and I, there was a stage a few years ago and i had a few but the only plugin i use now is um uh, the new topaz clarity there's a, they've got a, uh, the studio version because that's a certain look i can create with that topaz clarity there that i can't 
replicate by any other means. So that's the only plugin that I will use. But that comes probably a little bit later in the in the workflow. So it does, yeah. Again. That's probably yeah. If I'm going to apply it, that's pretty much getting towards the final part of the retouching. Yeah, but I'm I am like like you said before, I'm a creature of habit. There are certain things that I do, certain things I know that I'm going to do. I'm one of these people, the first things, uh, it's just me. I always work on the eyes, first of all. That's the first thing I ever work on when I'm in Photoshop. We gravitate as humans usually towards the eyes. So it makes a lot of sense. So has your approach in terms of how you started with your images, has that changed now from doing more photography work? Yes, very much so. Focus. So on what? What is your main focus now compared to what it used to be? My my main focus now when I'm working on my pictures is to create the look that I want that picture to have, to finish off the mood that was created with the lighting during the photo shoot. So it's to enhance that and then to colorize it to give it that final mood so you get the look that's created from the light and the coloring. Whereas before... I used to find that, and this I'm going to be no different to anybody else, I would spend quite a bit of time correcting things that had I known more about photography at the time, I could have done during the photo shoot. I would say now that I very rarely am correcting things during my retouching. I'm enhancing and finishing in processing as opposed to correcting, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, look creation is a big part of retouching and post-production process. And I think in terms of the effect, looking at it before and after image, the color grading or global contrast, let's call them just global adjustments, they have a much bigger effect on the outcome than the little things you have to do. But for me, I still have to do them, but I have to put in a lot of time to just get that done. But so yeah, it totally makes a lot of sense. Like the look creation is a big part of it and it has a lot of effect. So let's just recap. So you are using a powerful computer, putting everything into tether shooting capture one. Yeah. Then Lightroom, then Photoshop, mm -hmm. have a basic workflow. Um, when you are developing your image, how flexible is your is your file, basically? Do you go back and forth between different layers and change things here and there, or is it super structured? I'm quite organized when it comes to my layers. So one thing, I, actually, one thing I don't do, and I should probably do, is I don't use smart objects anywhere near as much as I should. However, I do keep all the layers in my never flatten so every single picture that i've got you would still be able to find the file that's got every single layer in it so sometimes we'll go beyond the limit that photoshop can save so i'll then just save that as a psb photoshop big file and then i'll then i will create a duplicate of that flatten it and then i'll save that also into lightroom so i have a version i can save in lightroom and i've also got a, a version saved on the drives that contains all the layers uh, what i do my little trick is i start with working on a layer tiff file because i'm not limited to the two gigabytes yeah. and i can go up to four But I also keep my layers and the only time I am using smart object usually is in my basic workflow. So I do liquefy at the end of the when I have everything done. But sometimes you have to make changes to something else. Like let's say we have to change the color a little bit. And then when you have liquefied, you would have to do all the liquefying again. So I flatten, make a smart object out of it and do the liquify just as a smart filter. All oh, right, yeah. And then I can go underneath, make some changes, flatten it again, and just drag the filter to the other smart object. Yes. So I can still work non-destructively, even though I 
I did some liquefying and yeah, rendered out a layer. So let me just go to, through my list because it's, I have some questions. <laughs> go on, go for it. So you as someone who has written multiple books mm -hmm. and we, we want to mention the books just after you have answered this question. Where do you go to find inspiration? Uh, I, I get inspiration. I tend to use Pinterest quite a lot and I'll always be looking at photographers' work that I really admire. So I'm always looking at that. There's people like Joey Lawrence, Annie Leibovitz, Mark Seliger, whose work I'm always looking at to get ideas and, and uh, inspiring, I suppose. But there's also sometimes when I'm looking to see how can I pose people together to get ideas from that, I go to a website called Imp Awards, which is a brilliant website, mm -hmm. which you've probably, I guess you've heard of, that has all the, the movie posters from the past, present, and the future. Oh, right. And you can have yeah. a look at all those there, type in the name of a film, and you'll see all the artwork. And that can be a great place to go to look for ideas, not just for the posing, but also the styling, the coloring, and all that kind of stuff as well. So, But Pinterest is a big thing for me, and I'm, I am, I'm terrible for constantly buying books. So I'm always buying photography books. But also, which comes to mind is, uh, are you into sculptures, like speaking about posing and physique and all that stuff? How is it about museums and sculptures and all that? Uh, not, not really. I wouldn't say I'm really into that. I mean, I've moved away from doing all the physique work anyway a while back. But I love, I love art. I like going to art galleries and going to the National Portrait Gallery and... Uh, well, I'm, I'm also fascinated by TV programs as well, because one of my favorite programs on television is uh, Vikings, which I love, absolutely love the whole thing about Vikings, um, but also anything to do with the 1940s, any program, any any drama, anything to do with the 1940s, because I love the styling that they had in that day as well. So I'll always be looking for that, and that really helps with great ideas. So I want to switch the topic a little bit now. So inspiration, Pinterest. But now let's talk a little bit about health because like there are a lot of people doing the post-production. We are sitting constantly for long hours. So what are you doing to keep yourself in shape now that you're not doing any bodybuilding anymore? Uh, I still, I still, no, I don't do actually bodybuilding anymore, but I still do quite a lot of um, exercise work anyway. So I'll do a lot of, uh, I go mountain biking quite a lot. I use my road bike quite a lot. We do a lot of walking nowadays. I don't, what I don't want to do is I spent so many years in the gym. Mm -hmm. It's not somewhere that I want to be now. I've done so many years of that. And now I want to be, I want to use the outside as my gym. So me and my wife, we're, we're huge fans of going long walks. We go down to the coast, walk on the coast paths. But I love getting out of my bike. And I'm my my competitive mind, I'm always pushing myself to see if I can do the certain circuit even faster. I mean, if, if, you record, if you recorded me, my voice, when I'm going up steep hills on my bike, you'd think I was a crazy guy because I'm always, come on, come on, faster, faster. And I'm the only person there, but I'm shouting at myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're still uh, trying to be fit and healthy and being active. And how does it play a role in terms of uh, work-life balance? And how do you manage to balance basically business and your personal life 
It's a good question, and it's one that I ask people quite a lot about as well. You know, how do you balance it? And I'm somebody that can get so absorbed in what I'm doing, and before I know it, I've been doing it for hours and hours and hours. So one thing, obviously, because I'm married as well, I have to be somebody who's disciplined to put things in the diary. So with my wife, uh, we will say, right, on you know a week's time or two weeks' time, we'll put in the diary, right, we're going to go away for a couple of nights. Yeah. Uh, but I've also found that, well, I've actually found by doing that, by putting it in the diary, it happens. If you kind of say, oh, we'll go out tomorrow, it never happens. If it's in the diary, it happens. But something else I've found with me is that I'm somebody who is, I'm much more productive in short bursts. If I try to sit down and just work for hours upon hours upon hours, my productivity is good for about an hour and then it drops off. So what I found with me is I will do an hour's an hour amount of work, then I'll I'll leave the computer and I'll go away for half an hour or whatever, and I'll take my wife out for some lunch and I'll come back and do another bit, and so I'm probably sat in front of the computer for less. It's, it's quite hard to do to discipline yourself in taking breaks, isn't it? It is hard, but. You know, you have to kind of start to really understand how do you perform well. If you're somebody that can sit there for hours and hours and hours, and you're still very productive, then brilliant. Over the years, I've recognised that isn't good for me. I am somebody who has to get up, go out. Uh, I mean, sometimes even doing emails. You know, and emails can be a huge part of the day that can really eat into your productivity time. If I just sit in my office and do my emails, I don't seem to get many done. If I pick my my laptop up and I go out to a local coffee house, which I really like, and I sit there, I can get through so many emails really quickly just because I'm in a different environment. So that that fine works for me. Makes a lot of sense. I just recently had someone to an interview. He was saying he's creating a lot of artwork, and he was saying like I just have to be mobile all the time because I cannot be creative when I am stuck in an office yeah, all the time. I totally understand that. He cannot have a workstation at an office because yeah, it doesn't work for him. I, so. I'm very much an outdoor person as well, so I can't. I don't like to be stuck in for too long. I mean, that's why. That's probably why, without even realizing it, why I stopped doing the compositing, because I didn't want to be stuck inside for too long. Oh, yeah, I also can relate to that. So uh, you said you, you've been asking that question to uh, a lot of other people. Have you made progress on finding that balance in the past, like, one or two years? And what what has helped you, except from putting in something in the, the diary? I talk to most people, you know, you, you kind of from the outside, it looks like they've got everything sorted and they've got the perfect work-life balance, but they not necessarily don't necessarily have that. It's just how it looks from the outside. But, you know, most people that I've spoken to who, who seem to have kind of managed to get a good balance will say that you have to put your stuff in the diary, which is why I do that. And also, you know, just recognize by knowing your own self What? How long can you be productive for? So I don't even think about it now. My, my kind of body says you need to get up now and go out, and I just do. Uh, there have been times in the past when I didn't recognize that, and I thought it was good for me to just sit here and work, 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 work. But I, I have got more work done, and I've had more success with my business since I disciplined myself to have these breaks and to go away from the computer and do short, short amounts of work, I get much more done. And to put stuff in the diary, it's, it's, and over the last couple of years or so since I've been doing that, I've had much more success with the business. Speaking of success, 
you have a book coming out. Let's talk about the, the book. Yes, yeah, the third book's coming out in October. Okay, so this one is, uh, the publishers, again, it's Rocky Nook, who are brilliant to work with. And this book is called The Photoshop Toolbox. Which is great because we also talk about post-production here, so it's the perfect audience. Oh, well, there you go. So, perfect. <laughs> it's almost like we planned this, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. But this is, a, this is a book that I kind of, it, sound, it might sound a bit corny, but this is the book that I wish I'd written at the start because this is a book that is uh, I've always said when, when I when I when I teach uh, and I talk about Photoshop to people I've always said to people there are three things that you need to know and that's layer masks brushes and blend modes and if you understand those and you don't necessarily have to know everything about them but if you understand what they are and what you can kind of do with them then the sky's the limit there's nothing that you can't do because if you look at any pictures within the retouching and this could be a four gigabyte file or it could be a 40 megabyte file it doesn't matter within there there's going to be layer mask brushes and blend modes at some point so the book talks about that it takes you from the point of not knowing what they are and then i kind of teach you how to use them and what they are but the thing also that this book is really focused on is and you you're, you're going to know this anyway when you show somebody a technique people can have a tendency to think that that technique only works on that because a perfect example for me was i did a retouching so i did a video to show how to cut out a tree from the background so I showed how to pick up all the leaves, all the little branches and what have you. And it was a you know great video, really successful video. And then I had somebody email me saying, I saw your video about the cutting the tree out and how to get all the fine bits. I now want to cut out somebody that's got hair. How can I do that? And it's like, well, it's the same technique, really. It's a pretty much the same technique. So the book encourages people to have the mentality of what would happen if... Because you can't really break it. That's a good way to learn. Yeah. You, you need to bridge the gap always to um, what can I do yeah. with this? And how can I use this technique? And I remember my mind was blown away when I first saw what dodging and burning is. And people were just my, brushing white and black somewhere really roughly and using Gaussian blur on it. And that's dodge and burn. And then I discovered beauty retouching. I was that's completely different. Yeah, you have to get experience with it. You have to try things on on different topics. And you also have to be encouraged to think about, okay, what is this actually doing, right? That's right. That's great. So, so I'm looking forward to that. That comes out, I believe that comes out in October of this year. Uh-huh. So, yeah, very much looking forward to that. Thank you very much. Yeah, so it's pretty much done and ready to publish. Oh, it's all done. The publishers have got it. It's gone to the printers and they're just waiting to get them back off the printers now. Yeah, the exciting time of waiting and waiting until it comes out, right? <laughs> yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to get that copy because I know they're going to send through a few advanced copies. So we'll get some of those and I cannot wait to get my hands on it. It's always a nice feeling. I can just imagine how it is. Yeah. Also, like considering probably the huge time investment that went into yeah. creating all that and then eventually seeing the outcome. Must be great. It's very, very exciting. Yeah. Again, good luck with that. I hope some of the listeners will consider looking into that. Now that we've talked about so many things, like your workflow, where you came from, all the stuff that you're using, and you've said your book is something that you wish you had earlier on in your career. What is the number one tip you would give someone who is eager to get into the photography or post-production related uh, 
It's something that we've kind of talked about already. Uh, and my advice would be, well, actually, no, two things if I can. The first one would be when you're doing it is to slow down. Don't expect to learn everything overnight. With regards to Photoshop, if you want to learn Photoshop, it's a huge, huge piece of software that you will never know everything about. There'll always be more to learn. And the trouble with Photoshop is, is that you can go online to YouTube, you can go and get magazines, and you'll learn all sorts of wonderful and weird techniques. But really, I would say is, look, pick a area that you want to look at. So let's say now, for this week, you're going to learn how to retouch eyes and learn nothing else. Look at as many tutorials as you can to learn about retouching eyes. And don't just do the techniques, write it down in a book as well in your own language that you can refer back to it. And then a week later, choose something else. Have a look at dodging and burning and do nothing else but dodging and burning so that it becomes second nature and you learn a little bit more about it and you can write it down. Yeah, so I guess that that would be the thing. And to, and ultimately, to have the mentality, like it says in the book, is to have the attitude of what would happen if. Don't be scared to experiment and put sliders to maximum, put them to minimum, change blend modes, do all kinds of things just to see what would happen if. That's such a great advice. I couldn't have said it better. And that's how we can end up this episode. I have to say it was really a pleasure hanging out getting to know you, talking to you about all the little details, talking about pets, cats, life, <laughs> retouching, all that stuff was super amazing. Glad you made the time to come on the show. Thank you for inviting me, Daniel. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> It's been great catching up. So my friends, this was it. Episode number 16 is over. I hope you had as much fun as I had with this episode. Please consider subscribing to the podcast so you can get the latest episodes right into your podcast player. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Stitcher or Spotify, consider hitting that subscribe button. But also, as the podcast is usually a one-way stream of information, consider leaving us a review or maybe on our blog ask questions and give us some feedback. I see you in the next episode. You're still alive, that's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I still have some more years. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more to come, mate. A lot more to come. <laughs>